All right. Today's sermon is entitled, Where Israel Failed, Jesus Succeeded. And I hope that this will make a little more sense as we go along. If you've ever read through the Old Testament, you might have been left wondering, what happened? What happened? Why does it seem as if Israel, God's chosen people, were always dropping the ball? Now, that's not to say that God's people didn't have their victories, because they did. They did. And they usually had the best intentions. Yet over and over, they didn't quite reach the precipice that they were aiming for. But as we turn to the New Testament, we see Jesus obtaining victory after victory after victory. Even that event that seemed as if it was his greatest failure, I'm talking about the crucifixion, it turned out to be his greatest victory, the greatest victory of all, because it proved that God's love for humanity knows no bounds. It proved that sin and death can be defeated and will be defeated. It proved that Jesus kept his word even when it seemed like an impossibility. It proved that our hope is not unfounded. Now, many of the people and events from the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus. And this phenomenon is seen throughout the Bible, and it's not there by accident. And so I want to ask you this morning to get your thinking caps on, because we're going to be going to theology school. We're going to be going to theology school today. The term for this phenomenon is typology. Typology. Who here has just heard this term before? All right, all right, just a couple of you. Don and Hugh, I would expect that from you guys. You're always, always digging, always reading, always searching. When speaking in theological or exegetical terms, typology is a doctrine or theory concerning the relationship of the Old and New Testaments. That's, that's all it is. And it'll be clear as we continue to go on this morning, it's not super complicated, as, as fancy as some of the terminology may be. The old things are the types of the Old Testament. And the new things, what they stand for in the New Testament. The New Testament is enfolded in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is unfolded in the New. You cannot understand Leviticus without Hebrews. You cannot understand Daniel without Revelation. You cannot understand the Passover or Isaiah 53 without understanding from the New Testament the gospel account of the crucifixion. 
The typology of the Old Testament is the picture language in which the doctrines of the New Testament are prefigured. Put another way, there are types and antitypes. Types and antitypes. An antitype is a person or thing that is foreshadowed or represented by a type or symbol, especially a character or event in the New Testament prefigured in the Old Testament. The value of the study of types and antitypes is how beautifully they illustrate the inspiration of Scripture. Their study shows that through the scriptures, we see that they had many authors spread across many years, cultures, and lands, but that the Holy Spirit was inspiring it all. In order to better understand the New Testament, we must become acquainted with the typology of the Old Testament. Allow me to share a few verses that speak about typology. Matthew 15, or 13, 52. Then he said to them, this is Jesus saying this, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. So when we study or teach the Bible, we can't just ignore the Old Testament. Nor can we, when speaking about the Old Testament, disregard the New Testament. When we talk of the things of God, we must unearth both the old and the new. Hebrews 10.1, for the law having a shadow of the things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. That is, the Old Testament types are but shadows. But there cannot be a shadow without some real thing to make it. And a shadow is not the very image of the thing, for a shadow is out of proportion. Right, depending on the time of day, when you look at your shadow, it might be very small or it might be very large. A shadow is an imperfect representation of the thing it reveals. So the Old Testament types are shadows in the sense that they are not the real thing and are but imperfect revelations of that real thing. This is shared in a different way in the opening verses of Hebrews. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. This was our scripture reading this morning. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the world. And this is why Jesus so often throughout his ministry said that he came to show us the Father. He came to show us the Father. When it comes to comparing type and antitype in the New Testament, there is also a bit of an as-so principle that pops up repeatedly. For example, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so 
in Christ all shall be made alive. Adam was the shadow or type, and Jesus was the real thing or the antitype. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Noah was the shadow or type, and Jesus was the real thing or the antitype. John 3.14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The brass serpent was the shadow or the type, and Jesus was the fulfillment. He was the real thing. He was the antitype. And Matthew 12.40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah was the shadow or type. Jesus was the real thing or the antitype. This is why Jesus on the road to Emmaus could give the following explanation to his disciples. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, when we look at the Bible, Whether Old or New Testament, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's never mentioned by name in the Old Testament, yet we see that he sat there with his two disciples on that road after the resurrection and showed them all the places where he was. Typology, types, and the antitype. To better illustrate this point, I want us to take a closer look at Matthew's gospel. It reveals even further that Christ's story actually repeats the history of ancient Israel, point by point, but where they failed, he succeeded. I'd like to share a few astounding parallels between the history of ancient Israel and Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, a man named Joseph has dreams, and he goes into Egypt to preserve his family. Genesis 45, verse 5 tells us, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. This is him talking to his brothers. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And he did that, right? He saved his family, along with thousands of other starving people during the famine. But then in the New Testament, another Joseph likewise had dreams and goes into Egypt to preserve his family. Matthew 2.13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When the young nation of Israel came out of Egypt, God calls it my son. Exodus 4, 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And then when Jesus comes out of Egypt, God says out of Egypt, I have called my son. Matthew 2, 15 and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt 
I have called my son. When Israel leaves Egypt, her people go through the Red Sea. And the apostle Paul says they were baptized unto Moses in the sea. In 1 Corinthians 10, 2, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Jesus is also baptized, as the Bible tells us, to fulfill all righteousness. And immediately afterward, God proclaims him my beloved son. When he had been baptized, Matthew 3, 16, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. In verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. As we saw last week, after the Red Sea crossing, the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness led by the pillar of fire, God's presence. Immediately after baptism then, Jesus is led up into the wilderness for 40 days. Matthew 4, 1 through 2, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now, at the end of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And at the end of the 40 days, Jesus was tempted by the devil, and he stood up to the devil by quoting the scriptures three times. Do you want to take a guess what book he quoted from? Deuteronomy. Are you seeing some of these connections here, dear friends? In Psalm 80, verse 8, God calls Israel a vine that he brought out of Egypt. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. And then Jesus later declares in John 15, 1, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. In the Old Testament, the name Israel was applied to one man, Jacob. And it represented his his, his spiritual victory over sin. Even so, in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the Israel who came out of Egypt, and he is the victorious man over all sin. The Apostle Paul also follows the principles of typology in his letters by applying statements originally made about the nation of Israel. He applies them to Jesus. God called Israel my firstborn in Exodus 4.22. Yet Paul said it was Jesus Christ who is the firstborn of every creature in Colossians 1.16. Sorry, Colossians 1.15. In Isaiah 41.8, God calls Israel the seed of Abraham. However, Paul later writes that Abraham's seed does not refer to many, but to one, which is Christ. In Galatians 3.16, thus we discover repeatedly over and over in the New Testament, statements that once applied to the nation of Israel are now applied to Jesus Christ. They found their fulfillment in him. The Messiah is now the seed. Therefore, Jesus is the very essence of Israel. So, 
This is good information, right? This is interesting. It, it, it shows the, 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 the power and inspiration that went into the writing of the Bible. But, I mean, what does this really mean for us? Where's the practicality in having knowledge like this? We're a lot like Israel, aren't we? I mean, when you really think about it, it's a whole other sermon. I can't get into all of the specifics here, but the New Testament shows that we as Christians, as followers of Christ, are actually a part of a new spiritual Israel. Spiritual Israel. Because of Jesus, we've been, as Paul puts it, grafted in. Grafted in. And just like Israel of old, we, we try our best, right? but we often fail. We aim for the mark, but we don't hit it. We fight against sin, but often find it's a losing battle. And because of it, we are left feeling defeated. We are left at times feeling not good enough. We feel like failures and we we wonder how God could even love us. How could he care? Just like Israel We have moments of doubt, moments of weakness, moments of failure, and yes, even moments of rebellion. But then Jesus steps in. He will be our strength in weakness. He will be our victory in failures. He will be our perfection when we inevitably miss the mark. In the same way we've learned today that the entire Bible is all about Jesus, we must learn to look at our own lives and realize that it's all about Jesus. Like Israel of old, we put our faith in Jesus. Our lives are nothing more than a type or shadow. On judgment day, when God looks at the record of our lives, he is only going to see the antitype. He is only going to see the perfect, spotless, blameless life of Jesus. He won't see the shadow of our lives. He'll see the brightness of the real thing. Jesus standing in our place. I absolutely love this quote from one of my favorite books about Jesus. It's entitled Steps to Christ, written by Ellen White. In it, she writes, if you give yourself to him and accept him as your savior, then sinful as your life may have been, for his sake, you are accounted righteous. Christ's character stands in the place of your character and you are accepted before God just as if you had not sinned. That's good news, dear friends. That's good news. Place your faith in Jesus. Putting trust or hope in yourself is like merely standing and chasing shadows. Attach your faith to the real thing. Attach your faith to Jesus. 
grasp on to the truth that you have been grafted in. You are a part of spiritual Israel. And it's because God wants you there. And on those bad days where you feel defeated, where you feel hopeless, and when you, spiritual Israel, feel like a failure, remember this theology of typology. Cling to the truth that where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. Where literal Israel failed, Jesus succeeded, and where spiritual Israel will fail, Jesus will succeed. Amen and amen.